0: Hello and welcome to the Arbitrage Podcast, episode 243. I am Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host, Ryan Sinitsky. Hello. Hi there. We are back again for 243. Yes. And we didn't technically deceive the folks before, but I am actually going to be drinking the ham sandwich. Because I'm still drinking that Supra, because I don't know, I just don't drink as much. Which is probably a good. good thing. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, I, yeah, anyway. maybe, maybe in like three months it will be reviewing LaCroix. <laughs> I did a dry month last November. I think I have to go back to the podcast and look because yeah. I'm sure I didn't drink beer for those two episodes. Yeah, I don't like. I'm not like going out of my way to like not drink. It's just I don't want it to Like uh, I really would like to get to the point where I don't want a beer. I'm sure I'll get there at some point. I don't like ever really want want it. It's not like I need it or anything. It's just if it's there, I guess I'll drink it. Hmm. That's no, just kind I, of how I, I am. Definitely want That's kind beer. of how I am. It's like, I, I, if I see it, if I'm like at a brewery, I'll go. Yes, I would like this. Sure. But I don't so it's like a proximity thing to you. Not actually. I, yeah, but like I don't like wake up or like go to work and be like ah, I want a beer now. When I'm like after work, I, yeah. I am just like okay. I, I think guess. for me, it's like I haven't found a recreational beverage that I enjoy the taste of more than beer. Hmm. It's like if if. Uh, soft drink was tastier yeah. or it had like less sugar in it i might like really jive on that. i do like soft drinks quite a bit i i used to drink a lot as you know but <laughs> but soft drink and i just i straight up don't anymore that's fair yeah i'm trying I'm, i i i really found out that i love the guava la croix which is good I really like a lot of flavors of Lacroix. And like the fact that it's canned, I feel fine about the recyclability, yeah, all that I, kind of I feel, stuff. I, I feel good about Lacroix. That's a good, that's a good one. And it's also a very underrated mixer. If so, you are at a party or in a place where you would like to drink, like, well, LaCroix is just like, kind of a good thing. Liquor and have. I just still don't get along, but uh, LaCroix, if you're looking to sponsor a podcast, we yeah. would happily we can, swap over to LaCroix. Yeah, I would happily do that. <laughs> like, for a sponsorship, that'd be great. All right. Anna, All right. Patreon. Patreon. Dot com forward slash Patreon.com forward slash Carbetrage. Patreon.com forward slash Carbetrage. On this open-ended... <laughs> God damn it. Everybody knows what this does. I'm moving on. All right. <laughs> um, we have a thank we you have to a, our patrons. If you want yes. to become one, awesome. If not, we don't care. Yes, and it, it is not much money to do it. It, it's it like is a not dollar fifty or something. It, we are really close to just paying for the hosting cost annually. of The podcast. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm never trying to monetize this show. so no, you there you go. Monetize other things. Yeah. Um. So for Black History Month, this is the third week. Uh, presuming this goes live when it's supposed to, it will. Uh, which I'm sure it will. Uh, and for week number three of Black History Month, I want to talk about McKinley Thompson, Jr. Oh, okay. And McKinley Thompson, Jr. was the first African-American designer at Ford. Ooh. Yeah, very, very interesting guy. Um, McKinley Thompson, Jr. Uh, was actually, he started out in the Signal Corps in World War Two, Which uh, is? Like, designing, like, signals and stuff. for Like the long-range yeah, lights or yeah. whatever? Okay. Yeah, various signal reasons. Like, there's everything that you do as far as signaling things, that's the signal core. Uh Like, for, like, all forms of communication, basically. Like, so, like, when you have, like, a logo for something on a map, that's signal core stuff. Hmm. So, he was actually designing signals for signal core. Um, And then after World War II, he got into car design. And actually, I think it was Motor Trend? He uh, ended up getting... uh, into car design via a like kind of like sweepstakes i guess hmm. okay yeah sure uh but anyway when he ended up going to ford uh they put him in the in control of doing like actual body design stuff which is you usually don't fall into that You mm. usually start out with designing like door handles yeah i could see like, like there being a progression where you got to work your way up to the boss he, you don't it, hire out He very, very, very quickly ended up doing full body design, which is really cool. And some of his designs were parts of the Mustang and parts of the GT40. (laughs) Jeez. And then he did the body of the Bronco. So he was responsible for, he didn't make the actual production Bronco, but everything that says Bronco about a Bronco, like that drawing is a Bronco. Like yes. That's just a Bronco right there. Yep. So he did basically designed the overall shape and overhangs and design of the Bronco, which is really, really, really cool. Because, uh, yeah, McKinley um, Thompson Jr., he was like in charge of basically making the modern off-road movement. Because, <laughs> I mean, you had Jeeps, which are fine, but y- you know, having a Jeep is like having an MG. Like It, was, you yeah, were, it wasn't civilized it enough a, to use it. It was a liability. There. This is something where you could, it was just as good a Jeep, arguably better, and civilized. So, it was the first modern SUV. And I think that's super duper cool that he designed that. Um, After he designed this, he went on to doing some other work. He retired from Ford in the um, 1960s, if I remember correctly. Um, Let me look here. Yes, he uh, retired. Actually, sorry, he retired from Ford in the early 70s. Um, but he was working on another project called the Warrior. And the Warrior was supposed to be basically a Model T for Africa. Like just a cheap people's car? A very, or very, very, very cheap people's car. Not an actual Model T. Not a Model T. <laughs> okay. But like a very cheap people's car for a Model T, a, a Deschevo, 500, 500 okay. you know, for but a made, people's car, yeah. But made for um, Africa for Africa. So it used a lot of plastics and stuff. Cool. things that weren't going to corrode. Things that weren't going to get clogged up with mud. Uh, he unfortunately, the, the project was stillborn because he was just trying to do way too much in an era when the entire continent was in the process of completely destabilizing itself. Great. Yeah. So, super, super. Yeah. It was <laughs> really super. He's going to buy this? The- uh, uh that no I see. Um, Him. we're going to take it to Angle no <laughs> the con no they're all gone. Okay. <laughs> but no, he was actually um <laughs> he did do a lot of work on it and eventually a lot of the work that he did do went on the warrior project in his spare time went into what was eventually the later, like, plastic bumper cars and, like, how those plastics were going to be used. Sure. So that's actually really cool. It was, like, it was a totally stillborn project, but a lot of his processes for, like, how to integrate these items kind of did move on. Sure. But it was, like, Well, it's a, a concept car. The actual thing almost never makes it to production. Yeah, it, it was, like, it was very far from being a concept. Sorry, he actually retired from Ford in 1984. I'm sorry. I I, I, thought it was I looked and I couldn't even find that, Yeah. So, yeah. Um. And then he also designed another project from Mercury, actually, called the Cougar Concept 2 in 1963. Um, And that was going to be a competitor to the Corvette, but made by Mercury. So I bet you could probably Google Cougar Concept 2. It would come up with something really cool. Um, But yeah, it was a V8 with retractable headlights and a fiberglass body. Uh, That looks about right. That sure does. Yeah, that'd be about it. That looks really cool. So I'm here for that. Yeah, it's um, very English. It unfortunately yeah, it didn't go anywhere mm. because it was going to be too costly for Ford. But like, what I think is really cool about McKinley Thompson Jr.'s story is that he his designs weren't rejected because of him being black they were rejected because like of just normal reasons sure like nobody's in africa to buy our cars right now yeah like we, oh. it's like we we can't set up a, ge- a dealership network when we have a country changing names four times like, also the border is now in a different country yeah it's like we can't set up a dealership network there and that was actually the main reason why ford didn't do it is because that's like when a lot of these co- these countries were leaving colonization and becoming their own countries it was a very turbulent place and Not really the best place to start a whole mark of car that you design a car solely for. So fair, yeah. That's why Land Cruisers and stuff are (laughs) now the kind of like the model T of Africa. Um, But he actually, so what he, how he got into car design was a scholarship competition um, at the Art Center College of Design, uh, hosted in in uh, Pasadena, California. It was hosted by Motor Trend Magazine. Okay, and then yeah, so. He actually was hired by Alex Tremulis. I've heard that name. Yeah, Alex Tremulis is a huge designer for Ford, and he actually brought him on, um, and he kind of was like Alex Tremulis' understudy. So very, very cool. Uh, super cool dude that he nobody knows about, and I really like talking about people like this. Uh, McKinley Thompson Jr. did pass away in 2006 um, after you know being retired for 20 years, 22 years, so um there's parkinson's disease that caused his death so oh well i mean that's kind of to be expected something that's that was that age the disease of 1984 yeah that was a whole disease but i yeah very very cool dude a lot of people don't even know that he was like responsible for designing the bronco basically the first gen bronco is a very significant vehicle and nobody knows who the designer was. Like that, the first drum, like everybody knows, like the Jajaros and stuff, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or the Bengals. Yeah, like this dude, like, it actually, like, just <laughs> nailed it. He just went to work and did a good job. Yeah, he did a good job and then he left, <laughs> and that was it. I mean, he didn't make horrible vehicles like Chris Bengal. I don't get why people like him. Hey, Mr. Wags can hear you. Okay. I'll fight you over this. I will die on this. You go look at a 745 LI and tell me there's a god. In the the base model uh, (laughs) posting group, somebody posted a cloth seat 730 LI. That's amazing. Wow. They made an M54 cloth seat E65. That's amazing. But you look at an E65 and you tell me there's a god. I don't like the E65. It's not good. But the E90 is great. The E60 is also a very nice looking car. He made a couple of good cars, but he made a tremendous amount of trash. The A sixty five is definitely the worst thing he ever designed. He's made some other terrible things. Well, did when did uh, Chris Bangle leave BMW? Is he still there? Mm-mm. When did he leave? No, he left like for the F o one F ten F thirty generation. So two thousand eleven. I don't like the his sense. the seven series was pretty, not pretty bad, not great. The facelift one I actually like. Mm-mm he also made uh, he did make the 90s fiat coupe which is kind of cool that is cool i didn't know that yeah uh he made the uh bmw z4 which is actually i don't like the z4 i will say that i will die on that hill i'm surprised i thought that was an entirely woman designed car nope really the first gen z4 or was it upgraded. the second Ooh, gen e63 e64 oh the six, 6 series, series is real bad that's bad <clears throat> Okay. e61 i hate i like that no i hate the headlights in e61 that's just no Those are good those are bad They're good good the looking two, car. no the turn signals are longer those than cars the are it's going to age very well no they won't anyway the inline six engine in those cars will age very well mm, yeah the, the engine m54 wheel. he that's didn't design the engine though i know but i needed some shitty segue to talk about inline sixes okay fine <laughs> anyway i hate chris bangle i think he makes trash that's fine I he's want... a man that gets lucky he got lucky a couple times. He, he makes cars the same quality that I can. I can get lucky a few times. Yeah, Chris Bengal to me, is like the Mitsuoka designer. Like, some of the stuff has interesting qualities, but it's all very different. But this is the thing. Is people, like, with Chris Bengel, people, like, put him on the same pedestal as, like, Shijaro. Oh, no. Or he's Gen-B. a shit designer. No, he's a terrible designer. He got lucky. He was made a couple of good designs. Is he a good designer? No. He got lucky. I want to see the original pen designs, too, because like it's entirely possible the committee saved him after the 7 Series, because the 5 Series came two years later, and the, s- I, the, s- the 3 Series like, came two years after that. I feel like the committee probably <laughs> saved him. <laughs> they probably kept toning it down like, no, Chris, we're going to let you out of the straitjacket for 20 minutes. No, he's, he's just designed by a blind man. You can see from the 5 Series turn signals being bigger than the rest of the headlight. I really like how the oh, E60 looks. Awful. I think it's a great looking car. Yeah. I might trade my a 39 for an E60 M5. I don't think that's a good decision. Might be. Nope. Might be a good decision. It's a bad decision. No, it's a good, good decision. Anyway, let's segue. All right. So Mazda's bringing an inline six to go out market. We've heard about this for over know, a year. I know, forever, is Still it? Still haven't seen it. No, I don't believe it. Mercedes brought back an inline six. Now, do you want to guess what mainstream American automaker is bringing an in inline six to this market? Um, all right. I'm going like, to vocally make my deductions here. Okay. Ford would not do that. No. Because Ford is just incapable of they making it. They put too much good. money in the EcoBiz, too. Yeah, there's no way they're going to do that. Um, GM would not make a Cadillac-specific engine. So that leaves me with FCA Stellaris or whatever. Stellantis? You yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Ah! <laughs> I mean, they've got other six-cylinders. Like, yeah, they're, they're Cummins. Um, like, GM actually does have an inline-six. It's the Duramax for the 1500s. TIL, very huh. cool engine. Just three liter Duramax. Just learned that. Um, but anyway, yeah, Jeep, Dodge, whatever, all those things that have the five seven Gen five Hemi, yes, going away, getting a turbocharged straight six. Okay, that's kind of cool. When was the last time we had a bad straight six in a truck? I'm thinking like Ford 300. I'm thinking Jeep 4 liter. I'm thinking. I'm I'm actively avoiding saying like modern BMW straight sixes. In their it's not trucks. a truck, though. Oh, it's a truck. It's, it says truck on the title. Ugh. But um, those are M54s and M52s. Those are good engines. I, know, I guess. Mm. I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, oh, so this oh, is a good thing. Yes, the 7M was never in a truck. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> because <laughs> that <was> a bad let <laughs> Let's be honest, that's six. the only place your brain was going, like, what's the worst straight six? I had, to think, that in I had to think of the worst possible straight six. I could <laughs> no, because ever... yeah, the Lankers of straight sixes are all different. I mean, they're like the 2E or the 3L yeah, or whatever, they, whatever it was. F, actually. They made like three horsepower so, and they never, fact, ever failed. With all Toyotas, when they say like AE86 or yeah. MA60, sorry, MA61 yeah. or FJ40, yeah. The first letter of that is actually the engine. 886 is a A, 4AGE. The MA61 has a... Oh, what the hell? ZZW-30, 1ZZ. Yeah. SW5S. Now you know. Damn. That's (laughs) kind of cool. I like those factoids. There you go. That's (laughs) a factoid. Yeah, every time Toyota does that. So whenever you see somebody... If you ever want to (sighs) like... If you ever see somebody that's talking at you about Toyota and they're saying that they got a Brazilian FJ40, you can say bullshit, you have a BJ42, because it's got a 3B engine from a Toyota Dyna coaster. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a it's so like a, a small city bus used in northern Japan. It's a three. It's a 3.4 liter four-cylinder that makes 90 horsepower. No, part of that sentence I didn't like. <laughs> you should put the uh, that Pontiac half V8 in there and call it good. That'd be hilarious. I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, we couldn't source any Toyota engines in Cuba, so we started throwing these Pontiac Yeah, half, half V8s, uh, the uh, Trophy 4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm genuinely just... Confused because years ago we're like, why the hell are all the straight sixes going away? And auto manufacturers like, oh, it's too hard to crash test them. The engine protrusion and all that kind of stuff is just—it's not good. It seems like we have almost as many straight sixes theoretically as V sixes now. What changed? I no longer have internet here. Um, I have no idea actually. Um, I don't know why that is. Hopefully everything—it's just me. It's just me. Looks like Uh, Um, you um, can reboot it. I suppose I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, then it, the notes it, are there. <laughs> I think the there's. Hmm, I feel like what they probably did is they had a bunch of existing V sixes that would crash chest. okay, and a bunch of inline sixes that wouldn't, just because of how the V sixes were made to be uh, transverse and the inline sixes were made to be longitudinal. Sure, because that's the only thing that makes sense. Because like, yeah, the. You now that we have all these existing straight sixes, they were all made after pedestrian safety standards. True. So they were all made to have like a lower deck height, plastic valve covers, stuff like that. I think the plastic valve cover is like the big saving grace. Because think of an inline six today that has a metal valve cover. I can't think of any engine that still has a metal valve cover. I can think of a couple like weirdo ones, like where engines are designed to not Oops. be in the front. Or are, like, a very low-slung V8, like an LS. That's true. LS is still have metal yeah, valve covers. And coyotes have them. And really? I think. I don't think so. I think they do. Um, um, I've seen coyotes, at least, with them. Or I could be high. Um, but, like, yeah, there's still, like, existing metal valve covers. But a lot of these plastic valve covers, I think, are... If you look at how the engine... Oh, they are? Okay, that was wrong. That's fine. Um, Looks like they, yeah, they did used to be. The Ford Performance okay, one has Okay, metal. there we go. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. But <clears throat> when you look at these engines, a lot of these engines that have these plastic valve covers are very, very tall. Sure. And so I think that the plastic valve cover is why you're seeing these inline sixes come back. That is entirely just me making a guess because I don't really that's a, know. That's honestly a decent but guess. But I, I think there's a correlation with that because it, it would hurt a lot more to smash your face into uh, a 2JZ valve cover than it would be to smash your face into a N54 valve cover. But, I mean, you're still going to smash your head into a metal hood. Yeah, but what, that hood, what that hood hits sure. is Maybe. different. So no, I, think I, can't, I don't have a better... Reasons so we'll I go with that, your oh, reason. Yeah, I, I think that all these engines were designed after <laughs> pedestrian safety standards, and that's why you're seeing them come back. Because yes, they are objectively better, but you don't need them to exist. I'm just—they sound so much better than V6s. So I'm I really excited about have this. Have a new favorite sounding inline six. Actually. Do you lay it on me? It is the 1956. Ah, damn. Yeah, haha! <laughs> Take that. Um, for those audio listeners, I was reaching for the pre-war <laughs> <yes>. bell. <laughs> Jagger. XK150S. What does the S mean? Sports, <clears throat> which uh, has a different exhaust manifold, <laughs> where it's two banks of three, okay. with a dual exhaust system with no crossover pipe. Oh, interesting. So it sounds like two very angry, fast revving three cylinders right next to each other. I don't know if I like that. No, it sounds really good. I do like the XK. The, engine, you know but... how a um, like a DB5 sounds? Oh yeah. It sounds very similar to that, but like a little bit more of an aggressive cam. Hmm. It sounds really, really, really cool. Also, triple, two-inch um, selects carburetors. That probably helps. That will help with the intake noise, but it's the exhaust noise that really gets in. Oh. The exhaust noise is quite good. As so, time progresses, I am more of an appreciator of quiet mufflers and loud intakes. That's a very good point. Um, and I'm not saying it's loud. It's not terribly loud. It's just good. It's the noise it makes is a good sure. noise. No, I mean, yes. it's pulses are you, you can't fake it. No, you literally cannot fake that, and that is the best part of that engine. People I have tried with the VQ. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It, VQs sound bad at all times. <clears throat> Correct. It always sounds like a trombone. I think the only time I've ever heard one that sounds mediocre is one that took the intake manifold off, made just a plenum out of sheet metal, and then put an Eaton M90 on it. Because you get rid of the intake manifold, yeah, weird irregular distribution there. stuff, but then you also had blower whine, which is one of my favorite car noises. You still have the annoying exhaust note, though. It's better, but it's still bad. Yeah, it still has a bad yeah. exhaust no, note. No, I would yeah. not get a 350. But note. yeah, the, uh, intake noise is very underrated. I love uh, noise. Good intake noise is one of the best things in the world, and that's why people really like individual throttle bodies. Actually, Individual throttle bodies probably have more to do with why people like them than anything else about them because they sound great. Like, yeah, they're fine. Dual DCOE 45s on any old four-cylinder. which is basically ITBs. Sounds the same, yeah. Yeah, That's basically, yeah. yeah. You just have no plenum. You just have fuel delivery engine. That's it. That's all it needs. It's great. It sounds amazing. I'm like, the hair is standing up on my neck because I'm thinking about like the... The M3, every time I drive that with that carbon airbox. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, it sounds absolutely fantastic. So um, speaking of V6s, actually, which are not used in NASCAR, but do come in Camrys. (laughs) The Camry is in NASCAR. Uh, The Camry is more of a NASCAR than the Charger is at this point. That is true. Because the Camry has been in NASCAR for longer than any single Mopar make. (laughs) Or any single Mopar model has been. (laughs) So the Camry has been in NASCAR for fifteen whole ass years, and I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> it is totally bananas to me. Um, Especially because I'm guessing the NASCAR Camry is not a V6 or front wheel drive. No. Hmm. Also, it originally wasn't fuel injected. Well, that's just because of rules, though, right? I mean, no NASCAR. Yeah. Y- yes, but Camry. Yeah. Not fuel injected. Yep. So what will be the chassis code for that Camry then? Ooh, actually, it is a TRD <laughs> engine, so there will be one. <clears throat> um, the TRD engine, I thought it was based on the five seven yeah, two. Yeah, Toi- but Toyota for all things they make, they give it an engine code. Ooh, so uh, no. TRD. I remember NAS- watching a Jay Leno's Garage segment. I think on like the either the concept or the actual. Can you, type, can you go? I, I, I don't know. Reboot hear it. Yeah, I uh, what do you want me to Google? Uh, TRD NASCAR engine code. NASCAR engine code. Uh. That's not going well. Oh, this there we go. A... What engine does Toyota use in NASCAR? Uh... It has that engine right there. Has to have a code for it because it's made by Toyota. Yes, it is. Is it overhead valve? I assume it is. Yes, it is. It has to be. Eight hundred horse, five point nine liter, seven hundred twenty-five no. horsepower. But it doesn't say the engine code. No. Wait. So oh wait. What what displacement is it? Five point nine liters. So you control F. The w- number 59. Oh, uh, wait. Oh, Japanese. Uh, uh, nothing. Shoot. I have no idea what that is. I'll have to get back to you on that. So there has to be an engine code for that, for a Camry. Like, that's just a fact. It has to have an engine code because of how a Toyota works. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, if you think of cars that have been in NASCAR for a long time, um, this is literally the longest-lasting NASCAR like make. I'm just, like, a, a pushrod Toyota V8 is one of the weirdest things I've seen with my eyeballs today. Yeah, no, it's they literally have to make just a NASCAR engine. Wow. And the only thing that's, like, not American about it is the fact that everything's in metric. <laughs> well, okay, do they, do they require NASCAR engines to have standard fasteners? They have to have... Because um, that's they, they, really they have dumb. They require, like intake or i think like intake and exhaust valve size displacement sure. like all of the stuff like that they have you have to do it like to exact nascar spec well that's fine but like not being able to use metric fasteners but no they they do use metric fasteners that's a good that, that's the thing that makes it a toyota is it uses a metric fastener i'm pretty sure the rest uses like sae i'm <laughs> three pages in and i'm giving up on yeah that. i would just give up i will find that for you and i'll text you later this evening <laughs> um <laughs> hopefully i'm done working on the gls that air suspension is not as fun to work on as the old Ho- gl hopefully i'm i'm done working at work because i have to work i'm that so sounds upset just as bad Saturday. As we, yeah me too i don't get a weekend i'm so upset anyway. i'm really happy that we switched these to every other weekend that has helped a lot it did but like also just real life work like i shouldn't have to do this the only reason i'm working is because i just had bad luck so it is what it is i know all about bad luck yes but anyway, yeah. So uh, the Camry is more of an NASCAR than the Charger, and I think that's hilarious. How long was the Charger in the series so far? To, combined, I think they've had a Charger for like maybe like twelve years, like oh, since. Because wow. I mean, oh yeah, they ba- either, they right. bounce back and forth. They haven't had just the Charger. They put in like other weird shit. Like they Why? had the Dodge Charger, but they also had like the Dodge like uh, Murata, uh, the Dodge. Um, you know what Dodge? They well, what should was, the, turn what in? was their wag? Uh, the Magnum. They, Magnum? They had, they had oh, Mag- that's cool. They had a Magnum. It was a coupe in the seventies. Oh. It was actually no, it was actually super cool because it was like it was a personal luxury coupe that they tried to make into a NASCAR. It was very funny. What's the? I spotted one on the road. It was a Mexican market Mirage. Dodge, Dodge Attitude. That's what should be the NASCAR. Yes, that Dodge should Dodge Attitude. I want a Dodge Attitude quite badly. I really was confused when I saw that. And you, <laughs> it took like five oh, cool. seconds and you responded <laughs> like Dodge Attitude that's amazing attitude. and then the next text was every piece of information about the entire vehicle's inception yeah it it's from. great I love it I love it so much I love the <laughs> Dodge Attitude It's the existence of that car is amazing oh to me oh my god that's amazing yeah I love that Dodge is still <clears throat> import captive importing Mitsubishi's <laughs> like that's a relationship that just can't die like like yeah they've been doing it for like 50 years it's 40 years after the k car and they're still doing it they're you're 50 s- years old and you're still booty calling a high school sweetheart pretty much that's exactly what they're yep. doing yeah. so <laughs> and on that note okay so back to the infrastructure bill we talked about in 242 yes. uh the fast lane which is actually a, an okay youtube channel they do a lot of truck stuff so i don't watch them very much but it's worth plugging them from this instead of the company that actually wrote this article uh they got their hands on a rivian r1t so the pickup truck the higher spec version and also they have a long-term tester 2022 toyota tundra with the base 5.7 what they decided to do was hook up a pretty small off-road camper to both of these vehicles and do a range test to see how long they could essentially drive on the highway that's actually really cool. It is really cool. Because I'm like, okay, real world testing. That's nice because the EPA yes. is not right. Um, do you want to take a stab? So I'll, I'll cover the Tundra first and then I'll have you guess on the Rivian. So the Tundra covered a distance. Oh, I can't say that because then you'll know how long the Rivian went. Um, so, all right. What's yeah, the guess how long the Rivian can tow a off-road trailer. What is the normal range approximately? It's... Roughly 90 kilowatt hours, so I would guess the range real world's probably in the 280-mile range. I would expect about half of that, so I'm going to say 150 miles. Okay, that's a pretty good guess. Just just because it's a bunch of weight, and I'm looking at that trailer, and even as aerodynamic as that trailer is... It's It's a lot of drag. It's still a trailer. From what I've found, towing with my car is... The, it seems like the shape of the trailer matters a lot more than the weight of it. because yes. like I hauled 1,600 pounds worth of E30 IX stuff out to Moston in my car, inside the car, yeah. and my range was hardly affected. But if I have 300 pounds of crap in a trailer, well, that's the thing is I drop off like a, a cliff. Electric vehicles are unlimited torque, basically. They so are, but they're also... Not, torque's not an issue, uh, which would be weight. So your weight is not an issue. I'm thinking purely about aerodynamics mm-hmm. and the fact that... I'm looking at that trailer, and that trailer and is And the Rivian's very aerodynamic. That trailer no, is not. not. So you were almost dead nuts on. It went 156 miles... Oh my god, what? ...on 91% <laughs> of its state of charge. Do you want to guess how many gallons of fuel the tundra burned in that same time with it, the same trailer? Um, 156 miles. 156 miles, I would say probably... Ten gallons, I guess. Dead on. Oh my god! <laughs> just like, yeah. Yep. So anyway, I I mean, that's still ha- take, take your take your fuel economy cut mm-hmm. it in half. That's just my 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 rule of thumb. Well, Tundra's not going to get thirty on its own. Well, if it, or twenty though. I said ten. Ten gallons, yeah, but that that oh, would be okay. one hundred and fifty yep. miles. Yeah, so yeah. But well, anyway. Your logic apparently was sound because yes. you still nailed it. Yeah, that's great. That's um, awesome. But <laughs> anyway, it's this is just really good news for the infrastructure change because like that's still an impressive number for yes. trailering something on an interstate and it's an electric r- it's pickup exactly truck exactly on par but yeah i mean people just have yeah. to as long as you can plan like evs are insanely predictable yes as long as you can plan for exactly what your efficiency will be on that drive and like the rivian will automatically throw into trailer mode and tell you that your efficiency is going to be horse shit yeah which is great uh Perfect. I just like, manufacturers really need to stop with the EPA bullshit. Because like even the number that you get on your dash is just wrong. Like yeah, that's true. it's we call it a guessometer for a reason. Yeah. The one on the fiat was like, Oh, you can go 120 miles. I'm like, bitch, this thing will do 70 miles. My fiat five hundred at eighty gallon or eighty miles of range will just go dash dash it's at a uh, two point something gallons of fuel. Yeah. It will just go dashes. I yeah. hate that. And I rarely have more than 2.5 gallons of gas. Your my fuel car. pump probably loves you. It doesn't matter. It's, yeah, 500 fuel pumps never go bad. That's true. Also, they're a nickel. Yeah, because they're, they're never broken. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I'm don't, I've always done this with every car. Inadvertently, like the most reliable car ever. Yeah, they did not intend on it being that way. It just nope. is. Yep, yeah. they're great. I love it. Thank you, Magnet and <laughs> Apparently Thanks. you got good. Yeah, they figured it out. We'll just find out in like 10 years that they just got closet like acquired by bosch like 20 years ago and nobody told anybody no because this is the thing is bosch <laughs> isn't good anymore like Bosch, bosch makes trash like we'll get every Volkswagen. okay siemens then yeah we'll give you siemens yeah, siemens, siemens is, is german isn't it yeah they're in every bmw yeah well every, now they are every bmw is made of siemens i should have known because they all used to be bosch computers now they're all siemens all siemens computers yeah lots of siemens in their computers yeah come car <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so let's talk about Toyota again. Um, Toyota uh, patented a manual transmission for EV vehicles. EVs, sorry. Oh, this will be convenient because I didn't even read as you were typing at the same time as me. We had the same last topic. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I took mine out. We'll just talk about it. <clears throat> well, I still see yours. Um, but this a uh. think, I'm half full on this. How are you about it? Are you half empty? So, I've been dealing in EV for about five years. Yes. Uh, in the Fiat, I never did this at all. But in the Tesla, once in a while, I will like mime like I'm driving a stick because I'm so bored. Yeah. And I honestly think it could be good. Because it's an on off switch for doing it. You can do and a like, non clutch version. You could. But like, like, if you put a Fanatec SSK or SSQ shifter in my car yeah. and you put a fake, like, electro-hydraulic clutch pedal in it. I guarantee, like, the software in these cars with the torque demand and everything you can do with electric motors Mm -hmm. and how instant it is, it would be good. Yes. I I don't think I actually need a gearbox and a physical clutch to drive a manual. So this is the thing. I actually read about half of the patent paperwork for this. And it's very fascinating. Uh, It should not be... Any also, Scott said it is not patented. Well, the paperwork. Sure, it's, it's something that they may patent, but yeah, it is but not the patented. Patent paperwork. Sure. Yeah. Application. So, probably. Yeah. They, they yeah applied for it, but in the patent application, um, they show how the torque curve uses the electric kind of torque curve. Yeah. And basically, it it's all readily available. It just makes it feel different. And so you're not actually, like, losing, like, you're not actually putting a transmission behind it. You're not actually having driveline loss. Mm -hmm. But this EV manual sort of thing uh, gives you a different torque curve where it makes it kind of have the bumps of, if you actually watch a transmission, like, you actually have these little bumps as you go through the gears. Uh, It gives you the bumps of a transmission torque curve. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's actually just really fascinating that it's, uh, that they actually did that, and I know it's really totally dumb in a marketing thing. But I would pay extra for this feature. Yeah, this is kind of great. Because um, like, if you don't want to, don't wanna, say that out loud. They'll actually, make you pay extra for it. Shut up. <laughs> but um, it would also be nice to never have to touch it if you don't want to. And that's the thing is, you don't have to. You right. Can there's like a little gated shifter, and you push a button, and then you can do it if mm-hmm. you want. It actually feels like a manual transmission. And so what they're going to do is, like, for vehicles like Supras and stuff, have this be an option. So that way, when you go to, like, a racetrack, you can actually still operate the car like you would a normal race car. Mm -hmm. Where, yeah, having perfect linear power delivery is cool and all. It's terribly boring, A. It is, because, like, even though the car is slower when I'm, like, mime shifting it's so much more fun. You also... um, being able to shift the weight of the vehicle by switching gears quickly, something mm-hmm. like that, that, those are things you actually can do. Trail you know? braking and downshifting, I mean, like, rotating a car requires like, stuff you like that. You yeah. can mimic that with software, and you will get the same result. Yeah, that's actually very cool, as long as it does the thing, <laughs> and it feels right, Which and it's it will. optional. You know it yeah, will, because tw- all yeah. sim racing stuff out there has... Done this. It's literally just done this. All the programming's there. Yeah, they're just adding (laughs) sim racing stuff into a car, which Mm -hmm. I'm here for. Uh, It sounds absolutely great. And another, it just takes another, like, quiver out of anti EV ownerships, like, another arrow out of their quiver. Like, it's just, it's one less thing that they can say, oh, well, it's not real. The only thing that you're, all they have at this point is legitimately the engine noise. Mm-hmm. Which, and maybe they'll try to mimic that. I don't, I don't want them that. to do that. Um Just make the motors louder. Yeah, actually, uncover the uh, the motor. Motors sound cool. Motors right? do sound cool. Especially like, if you put this manual transmission sort of thing behind it. It sounds very cool. Um, but, yeah. like that. And then, objectively, I will give them being able to fix shit on the side of the road. But, you can't do that. In most modern cars, this is solely for Actually, this is solely an argument that Ben Chu has for me because <laughs> he drives old Land Cruisers that you can fix on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> can but won't. Yeah, you can. I mean, he does, but like you don't want to. Ben is so, like us. He's not a normal person. Yeah, you can be. It, they allow you to be miserable. Yes. Okay. Cool. I don't want to fix my feet on the side of the road. I don't want to fix my feet at my garage. I want to fix my feet. Period. I don't want to fix it. anything that has plastic under trays on it. I don't want to fix anything ever. I hate doing maintenance. It's my least favorite thing. I'm in the middle of doing air struts on a two thousand seventeen Mercedes GLS four fifty. That sounds awful. And I hate myself. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. Well, I'm no. trying to be nice. I don't know. I don't, fix I don't my do family's that. things. I I I'm getting more immorally just about what I choose to work on. Me too. Um, I it, have been it, for years and it's getting bad. It's getting dangerously close <clears> to just I, I'm beginning to understand boomers that only work on v 8s I'm like, yeah, I get that. I am getting dangerously close to start like just Shh shuffling off some cars while they're worth a ton of money and just having fewer cars yeah because you don't want to work on them yeah, i don't right. all yeah, and like them. they're really good but they won't be really good forever yeah and it's i totally get that like after working at janna's buick i'm like i get it now this is why people are so upset i've had to buy one special tool for this whole freaking car and i like, needed a 22 millimeter 12 point socket today thank god i had one my god what <laughs> For that's, the upper wishbone, that's so stupid. They use a twelve-point socket. That's ridiculous. Thanks, Mercedes. What, what the fuck? They just did that so they know it's gonna rust and it'll round off, and I gotta replace the whole wishbone. That's really dumb. Yeah, this one luckily is fine. I thing but, only has eighty-seven thousand miles on it. Both front air struts are shot. The only reason that I had to get any single part for the Buick is for the starter uh, motor. Is it for the shims or something else? No upper bolt. You can't put enough torque on it with a normal wrench you have to have a crescent shaped wrench oh one of the swoopy ones yeah one of the swoopy ones
1: i always wonder what those before
0: yeah alternatively i could have <laughs> taken the four bolts out of the drive shaft separated the drive shaft taken no 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 no, no. and just laid the transmission down and then done it normally but Pish no nope nope no, not happening not a chance nope nope no, no, no. forget this is a tangent but we do this here and we have a little bit of time yes. you've been to your or no yes i have okay yeah. tom yes you've met him he used to have a sixty-one Electra. Very cool. Loved it. Very cool. So you guys can have a conversation. They're great. About yes, that so we can have a great conversation about <clears throat> 61. a huge Buick guy. Sixty one is the correct year. Yeah. Yep. It's it, I, when he mentioned that I'm like. That sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the best car. I love it. Like it's it is everything I've ever <laughs> wanted from an American vehicle. It's not as pretentious as a Cadillac. It makes a cool noise. It's a very wet engine. It does burnouts. It's got the dumbest possible transmission. It, it, it's a dumb vehicle. I love dumb. You know how I am. Worse vehicles are better. Yeah. I want the dumbest possible vehicle. I'm not trying. Like, if I want a good car, I may get a Ferrari. I don't want a good car. The only like, exception <laughs> I've found to this, and it's probably my fault because maybe that only applies to things that are manufactured that way, but hmm. like Brexit sucks and I hate driving it. It's actually bad because it's bad. You made that bad. I did. Yeah. That's your doing. Okay. Yeah. That's all you. So I found the exception. If yeah, no, you, you make a car bad, it's, yeah, you it's your do fault. That. No, but a dumb car and a bad car, two different things. And the car is also dumb. You can be dumb and bad, but they are not mutually inclusive. One does it's not exclusive. one does one does not mean the other one has to happen. That's, That's mutually I mean. exclusive. That's mutually inclusive. Mutually exclusive means you can be dry and not wet. Oh, okay. Oh yes. interesting. I learned something today. Mutually they exclude each other. Sure, that does yeah. make sense. Um <laughs> Yeah, so like you can have a car that's dumb and not terrible. You can like that's a, a Buick is. It's dumb and not terrible. You can have a car that's terrible, and smart, and that's a modern supercar. And then dumb and terrible, and like then Brexit, got, which is Brexit, or you can have what's what's the last one? There's a fourth one I'm, I'm missing here. Blubsky, no, it's, it's good, good and terrible. There's 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 smart and good. What's a good no one? smart and terrible. I said smart and terrible. I said smart and terrible. Oh, shit. What is smart and terrible? I guess I'd be a Fiat 500. I don't like working on it. No, those are good. I don't like working on it. You don't have to. But, yeah, that's why it's smart. But when you do, it's bad. It's a bad car to work with. The only things I've ever had to do on that... Okay, you're right. Yep. Yep. I did a a rear wheel bearing on one of those, and the the caliper bolts were... It's awful. Like, why would you bury those there? This is dumb. No, you don't have to ever... The valve cover gasket. You have to cut a plastic finger off the intake manifold to do the valve cover? No problem. Never need it again. Or you have to pull the entire intake manifold out of the car, which is on the backside of the engine where there's no room. Smart and terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> it's, I said that in my YouTube video. I'm like, I'm not condoning you do this, but this is the only way to do this. Yeah, I'm not saying you should do this, but so you don't take the intake manifold off. Just cut this. There's a there's it. a three-inch long metal or a plastic tab on the intake, and it just, like, bolts to the valve cover. You just take it off, and you cut it. That's fine. I I wonder if it's ever broken. Probably not. No. God, no. That engine is just, like they accidentally made like the best engine ever the yeah, 1.4 multi-air is yeah, so it's just, good it's just like it, it's on stage it, it's great and you just don't ever have to work on it and if you do have to make a repair it sucks but like you don't have to exactly yeah it's that's why the dealerships are not doing well here there's no cars ever need repairs <laughs> no, they never do ever. <laughs> nothing 150,000 mile timing belt if you have a lot of boost and you're Fiat not has diligent found every way to fail in america you make them too shitty, and then nobody buys them, and then you make them too good, and no, none of the dealerships can stay in business, well, so nobody can buy new ones. In the 80s, in the 70s, is they didn't have a dealership network. that just brought cars in. But they were also terrible. They were worse, but they weren't actually. that It was the Morris engine, essentially. They're like they're n- not, they're no, no, they're not that me. bad. That's not that bad. No. Blake oh. had an X19 brand new one oh, that bad. I've not, I'm not talking about the X19. I'm talking the normal ones. Oh, I don't know anything about those. Bad. I'm talking about the ones we got. Big bad. The X19. Big bad. X19s were only bad when things rusted, because oh. they were usually just driven in the summer. Yep. Yeah. But if you have, like, a 131... Oh, yeah. No, don't do that. That's big bad. 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 Very bad. So, anyway, bad. yeah. Not good. To your point. <laughs> modern, modern Fiat, good. Yeah, modern Fiat's good. So, that, that's a good car. Poor Fiats. But, um, they, don't get the hate they, they don't deserve the hate they get. That's no, they're totally great. I, it, uh, the modern Fiat is just the modern 90s Honda. Yeah, people shit on them until they drive them, and they're great. And in twenty years, that's the shit I'm looking at in the uh, the car shows. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm not gonna lie; I would kind of want to get. So yeah, it's like, so like Darren, like he was like shitting on Fiat 500s because his Abarth has a terrible turning radius. Well, I mean that is true. And I'm like, dude, no the standard one. I, I, isn't. Yeah, that's what I told him like you know the Abarth has a different steering rack. He goes, what? I'm like, completely different. It's like six feet. Yeah, longer. I know it's way longer, and he's like, he's blown away totally blown away i'm like watch this dude there are and did, I, I did a u-turn <laughs> in the middle of my street with ice on both sides at mm-hmm. speed and i'm like yeah it was great like it did the, it did the u-turn it was great in yes. the middle of the road not the intersection mm-hmm. there were no cars parked so i but i went street side no. to street side 500t was... is a great car yeah. i stand by the fact i'm so glad you went and bought one <laughs> it's so good it's I, I absolutely love it the only thing i dislike about it no is the sunroof or lack thereof. The sixty-one Buick's much nicer to drive in traffic. <laughs> That's the only reason. Do you know how pissed I was when I had to put, when I had to take the gas tank out of it? Because no. I'm like, I'm like, this is gonna take me all freaking summer because this thing's buried, and I'm sure I'm gonna have at least one bolt that just gives me problems. And then, of course, I got four bolts that gave me problems, and then I didn't drive it for the rest of the summer. But um, I was so mad because I'm like, no, I have to go back to drive my Fiat. Ugh! Like the Fiat, I like driving at night. Because there's nobody else on the road, and I can enjoy the car. I do not like driving the Fiat in traffic. I don't like driving anything in traffic. That's why I like the Buick, because the Buick's a couch. I don't like driving the Phantom in traffic, and that thing is a couch. That is a couch, yeah. Yeah, I hate traffic. I will avoid it at all costs. But I will say autopilot is the only thing that quells my anger.
1: Until you have then all can seasons. stop
0: driving. Until you have all seasons. And you... I said traffic, yeah, Ryan. It's a good point. I like, traffic is you are stopped or moving at like two or three miles an hour. Yeah. Autopilot does that really well. Yeah. And then as long as you have yeah. all uh, seasons. I everyone, know. go buy the correct tires for the <laughs> conditions <laughs> that you drive in. You we're, bunch of blithering. It, it, I know it's, it's not you listening. It's literally a, we- it's a week later and we're still mad about that video. <laughs> that's amazing. I Oh, my God. Yeah. Every. Just. And I, I need to reiterate, I know our audience isn't to these yeah. people. But, but there's. You, you need to be harder on your coworkers. Trust me, you can be an asshole to people and they will still be your friend. Yes, it's true. You still have people that talk to you. Yeah, I don't know why. I get invited I to things still. I and don't I, understand that. You will be fine, trust me. Yeah. There, there, there are. Very rarely is there a thing where I will not invite you, and that's because I'm very confident you will not like somebody else in the room, and it will give you a but bad But the thing time. is, I have <laughs> made that so clear to everyone yeah. that knows me. It's just like, a, you know if it's a good fit or not. Yeah, like, like, yeah like, I had like one party at my house ever where I didn't invite you, because I was like, you will not like this person. They're coming. and <laughs> The main reason is like, you and I schedule things differently, mm-hmm. so you, it's either like, if I'm lucky the day before, usually day of, I tell you and usually day of, and it's usually at night. I look at my calendar, and I don't know if you've ever seen my calendar. but it Oh, is, it's awful. It's yeah. terrible. I'll show you my calendar. Sure. Lay it on me. It's very different than yours. Um, I'll show you my busy day tomorrow. Are you ready for my busy day tomorrow? I am indeed. Here we go. This was my week last week. This is my virtual meet a cockroach <laughs> That's the one thing I have going on tomorrow. God. Rip headphone users, I'm sorry, but that was hilarious So every year for the last couple of years, uh, GMO's been terrible. donating to the Bronx Zoo in my name because they have um, this little thing for I'm Valentine's sorry. Day. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> All right, so I have to explain this. Every year for Valentine's Day, the Bronx Zoo... Like they, in New York. In New York, yeah. They, have, they let you donate and adopt a cockroach. Because they have Madagascar hissing <clears throat> cockroaches, which are, like, huge. They're, like, the size of a beer can. Um, and then you get the, when you do it, Bruh. there's a very limited chance that you can get a meet-and-greet. And this is the first year that she was able to schedule a meet-and-greet for me. I'm very excited. I named him Terry. So, How long will Terry be around for? I don't know. I can't remember. But I'm just happy to support him. He's a cute guy. I also got socks with Terry on them, and I got a hat with Terry on it. It's pretty great. <laughs> But I have, I'm really excited to get to meet Terry. I have no words. It's like Homer Simpson when he got pinchy. <laughs> it's just like that. Also, fun fact, I really want to get a lobster. Like have you watched this at YouTube guy? Yes! The grocery store lobster yes. yeah, uh, Gary or whatever his name is? Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah. One of my executive vice presidents at work sent me a link to the series and I watched them all. I'm like, <laughs> why am I watching? This? I really want I really want one now. I want to know: is he gonna eat the profits? I, I, I just, I, I would like him to not die. You got a little choked up there. I don't want him to die. <laughs> but he's probably delicious. Yeah! Just like Pinchy. Mm-hmm. Pinchy was delicious. Uh, hey man, you accidentally put too hot of water in there one day and he's gone. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, that's what it is. Uh, you know you know my theory about food, right? No. The more adorable the creature is, the better it tastes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fact. Yeah, that's true. I, I never want to try a cat because it's probably delicious. It's probably the, be- <clears throat> the best thing because they're the cutest. But, like, yeah. The rabbit's really good and it's extremely cute. So. Apparently in Texas, uh, they have hunting trips for people to go hunt their feral hog problem. Oh. Because apparently they're best in winter because they get a little bit fatter. Ah. So, uh, yeah, they actually, their feral hogs, they have different hunting seasons for them for how they taste. If, I love that there is somehow Texan science to this. I know, right? It's a very Texan. It's almost Texan. Everything that's happening in this sentence. I guarantee but this it, doesn't happen in Austin. So like this isn't in, some other part of Texas. It's, it's kind of like bison. Like bison. Like is like a better version of cow. Sure. Also, bison are cuter than cows. Um, which is a fact. It is a that's fact. That's objective fact. Um, but yeah, feral mm-hmm. hogs apparently in winter they get fatter uh, as you would imagine they would do, and so they're um like, a better version of normal pork. Yum. So it's, like, a fattier pork. Oh, man, now I'm hungry. It's but then if you out. get it in summer... Summer's probably not the best unless you really want, like, gamey kind of flavor. Okay. But as you age towards summer, you... It kind of changes how it, the flavor is. Because summer will be gamey, so you can get, like, if you shoot it If you get, like, if you hunt it in, like, April, you get a nice little mix of, like, gamey and also <laughs> still a little fatty. But also... <laughs> They, I think I'd want a fall hog, so it's got like the, the, so the dwindling. So this is the thing, is fall actually is a different flavor from spring. I believe that. Because in spring, is their ma- or in late winter, is their mating season. Oh. Well, I don't want cummy meat. No, but that actually, there's a change in the actual biology of how the males actually present themselves hmm. during mating season, sure. trying to make themselves more attractive. Yeah, you got to engorge your butt. <laughs> otherwise why is a mate ever going to want you exactly but that is actually that makes a difference in their flavor i've learned all this on npr so i didn't cover this but like now that you brought up npr it's a perfect segue there are reports of yes. this, a lot of mazdas yes. breaking the entire infotainment because of some was, fm signal yeah that was darren's NPR, npr station what happened was the, um, the signal that they were what? sending <clears throat> to update the infotainment on what show is on. Sure. Like RDS and yeah it, yeah. it just like bricks the whole thing. Um, and impactful. I would say, I, I keep commenting on those. I'm like, I wonder how long it would take for me to figure this out. I'm like, I, oh my think, God, right? I think it'd be about two months. Because I schedule my drives around when NPR shows are on. Okay. Because like weekdays, six o'clock, Marketplace. I like listening to Marketplace. Lunchtime, about 2 o'clock. That way I get BBC World Service. I like BBC World Service more than I like The Takeaway. So I'll eat lunch and sex. I mean, I can just work for an hour. And then you eat lunch at 2 and feel better. And then on weekends, I absolutely, like the fucking plague, avoid driving at noon on Saturdays because that's when the Moth Radio Hour is on. And I can't stand the Moth Radio Hour. I hate. I hate. Not Stephen Lim. I love Stephen Lim. <laughs> uh, Stephen Lim's great. He's on Watcher. Um, <laughs> I I know none of these words. But there's uh, the Splendid Table that happens after the Moth on Saturday. No, sorry. Splendid Table is after Radiolab, and Splendid Table is like the. I love food content. <laughs> But, like... It, no, no, I've never figured that out. I don't, yeah, I know, yeah, no, right? <laughs> but, like, I, I love when, like... I love, like, food-related TV and everything. Like, I, it's my favorite. Like, Binging with Babish is one of my favorite YouTube channels. I don't watch TV. But, well, it's not... B- Babish is on YouTube. Ah. But, like, I, it's one of my favorite YouTubers is Binging with Babish. Um, but, like, I cannot stand at this blended table because it's, like, Owen Wilson loud whispering about food and like but, they interview chefs, and the chefs like, yeah. So I like uh, I, I salted my potatoes, and then I put a little bit of thyme, and with olive oil, and then I put them on a skillet. And then the you post- gotta pull a Padma Lakshmi or whatever it, No, name yeah, is. yeah, you have a, yeah. You have to have like pot Like, then I saw like her it. on Hot Ones. She is. Yeah, fine. She's great. She's fine. Um, but then like on NPR, like the host is like, oh yeah, that's really cool. And he's like loud whispering the is whole he like time. Garrison Keeler? No, it's it's worse. It's like Owen Wilson mm. loud whispering about food. Like, wow, oh, oh, that's that's really inspirational. That really makes you feel. I really can't good. get you out of my <laughs> headphones. I don't yeah. like this. It's really bad. Yeah, this is this is exactly what it's like listening to the Splendid Table. It's just I hate it. It's my least favorite YouTube, or not YouTube. It's my least favorite radio thing. So I just I avoid. But if it bricked your infotainment system, wouldn't be a problem. But if you notice when we are actually recording is exactly when the moth and exactly when the splendid table are on. And I'm actually, so it's not because you can't wake up it's because you just don't want to, because of those well, it might be part of it. Cause I also do like listen to the BBC world service at night, which is That's on. fine. Also, uh, Canadian public broadcasting comes on from 10 to 11. So yeah, these are all things. I am so used to this time slot just being <laughs> off limits at this point. Cause we've been doing this for almost five years. Yeah, it's been a while. Which is nuts. Yes. Uh, it always just, feels like to be old. I remember five years is a long time. You know what's an interesting metric? Hmm. I've been talking about Renault Avantime importing since episode one. <laughs> I just have this much time to go until I get my f- Avantime. <laughs> that yeah. puts it into perspective for me. That really helps. I think it would be very funny is once it's a... Once it's a eligible for import you'll do what i did with the cappuccino and just straight up not buy one i don't think that that's going (laughs) to be the case for me unless and there is a big unless and this is entirely plausible all the good ones go immediately before. that's why i I don't have a cappuccino i it's literally why because all the good ones are terribly expensive i want an az1 more than i want a cappuccino and az1s are too much money to ever spend on something with 69 horsepower my plan about six months before they're legal is to talk to neil yes buy Buy one one. yeah have him go get it yes store it good idea and then ship it to me perfect brilliant i think you should do that i'm going to but like it's the biggest thing is like i'm probably gonna have to buy it in france and then bring it to the uk so i don't know what oh that makes a problem i don't know brexit's expensive god damn it i need to find an importer that works out of france or Germany. They really did not exist in Germany. I mean, they (laughs) were legal there, obviously, but... We'll show you the German Chrysler site. You might be able to find something. By the way, on that top tip, we'll tell you about when Eric gets an time in another five years. I better get one of those damn things. (laughs) I'm going to have to buy one out of Britain. I'll have to pay more. It's going to be a 2.2 DCI, just because I won't be able to afford the V6, which is fine. I don't care what engine's in it. It doesn't matter. It's it's the form factor you want. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Every every single time I've almost bought a cappuccino, it's been beige. I don't, I don't even care. Like no, that's I mean, it's like there's a reason I don't buy it. Is I'll find a cappuccino, that's beige, and I find out it's got an R code on it, and I'm just like, great, it's been like totaled. Like no, I don't want it anymore. I still want it on time, even if it's been written off. Yeah, don't care. Just want. There's the damn just so thing. many. There's so many more sketchy Japanese importers, than there are French, sketchy French importers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, no, that, that's French write like, off a car, and it's just gone. Yeah, no. Like when I say like. There's a reason I don't import a cappuccino, because like, I keep finding them, and they keep being bad. And I'm just like, mm nope. And then I find a good one, and it's like way more than I want to spend on a car with 69 horsepower. I have to imagine that will improve very slightly before it gets worse forever, though. As the market cools, hopefully. Knocking wood. But also, my interest in old American cars is quickly gaining, so... There's going to be a very short period of time that in which I really want a cappuccino before I just fill its spot with like a Dodge corner. Just get a Twingo, and everything will be fine. Yeah, seeing back in a Twingo just hoisting it up in the rafters. Don't weigh I, that much. You, <laughs> even now, I bet you could get a Twingo imported and registered here for four thousand dollars. Oh, I could get one here imported, registered, running, and driving for under three. That's I could probably really get it here impressive. for about two. 'Cause literally they're right free. Right now that's amazing. They're like, literally all container prices are nuts. You right can get now. Twingos running and driving in Germany for under five hundred dollars because Jesus. I'm not exaggerating, because they fail uh sure. over a sway bar link. And the, car is $500, and the car's five hundred dollars. Why would you put hundred dollars into it? Exactly. Yeah. And then <clears> so <throat> it's just whatever your import cost is, five hundred bucks, and then like your tax title license and all this little surcharges. So you can get under three. Two would be pushing it, but for sure under three. Why have you not done this yet? Uh, lack of space, actually. Okay. We, I, I genuinely thought about it after the Accord. And Jan was like, she really wanted a car for Back to the 50s. So That's fair. Yeah, you want a car for Back to the 50s and a car she could take to her hair salon. That's exactly what she got. So, <laughs> <laughs> on that bombshell, I think we should head out. Thanks, everyone, for listening.